Hello các bạn, welcome các bạn đã quay trở lại với channel của Hannah Lexus. Đây là channel giúp các bạn đi từ khá tiếng Anh lên giỏi tiếng Anh nhờ vào lời khuyên của một cựu chuyên gia kinh xong là bạn Mỹ xin mình. Ngày hôm nay thể theo yêu cầu của rất nhiều người, mình có ông mời ông chủ nhà ở bên đây. This is my landlord. Yeah. <cười> And you know my viewers has been have been requesting your, you know, cameo feature whatever it is sure. for a year now and uh, I have been putting that off because you've been traveling too, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. To start off, how many countries have you been to? Can you off the top of your head? Uh, it's hard for me to remember. I I can't tell you exactly how many. Uh -huh. Yeah. I've been to most most countries in Western Europe except Scandinavian countries. Mm -hmm. I've been to most of the Eastern European or Central European countries mm -hmm. like Romania, Bulgaria, Yugoslavia, Serbia, mm -hmm. Czech Republic, all of those. I've been to Russia. I've been to a lot of the stand countries like Uzbekistan. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, is that I how have, you call them, stand countries? Yes, yeah, stand <laughs> countries. Been to several countries in Africa, mm -hmm. few, like Uganda, mm -hmm. Nigeria, Kenya, mm -hmm. uh, Mozambique, Cote d'Ivoire, oh. South Africa, so several African countries. Do you have a favorite for for each continent that you've been on? Uh, not really. That's oh. a good question. I just enjoy traveling and usually enjoy the cultures where I am and the people I see and wow. meet. So, yeah. Did you spread it over the years or did you just, do you have like a couple of years that you did mm, a lot this, of traveling? Th this was over a number of years. Okay. Yes. So, of course, Canada and Mexico, but those are neighbors. Neighboring countries. Yeah. Is there any country that you have never been to that oh, you would lots, like to? Okay. Lots oh, lots of country. Um, I like to get to Australia. Oh, okay. Maybe New Zealand. So uh -huh. Maybe be Vietnam sometime. Yeah. I had the opportunity to go to Vietnam one time, but it didn't work out for some reason. Oh, I'm surprised. Remember. I always thought that you've been to Vietnam before. No. Mm. Singapore. Maybe you've been. To I've been. Well, I've been to Hong Kong. No. Oh, okay. And uh, I've been to China, of course and uh, Japan, uh -huh. Korea, so those are some of the Asian countries. Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate, I've gotten to travel quite a bit. Was it by choice at first or you just... It was some of my work and oh. some by choice. So. But the very first time you went abroad was because of work? Yeah. Okay. I actually lived in Europe for 20 years, uh -huh. right outside of Vienna. Did you pick Austria or it just uh, came up? At that time I was working in Eastern Europe, so Austria was the logical place to live. I've always wanted to go to uh, Hungary for some oh, reason. Budapest? Yeah, and, yep, yep. Yeah. I've been there so many times I can't count. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the city of Budapest is a beautiful city. Mm -hmm. uh, the name comes from two sides of the river, oh. Buda being the mountainside and Pest being more the plains. So when you're going down the Danube, the river kind of splits the city of Budapest in half mm -hmm. with the Buddha side, the mountain side, uh -huh. and then the Pest side, the, the more plains, the east side. I should read more <laughs> and travel more. <laughs> Out of the places that you visited, which one is closest to your expectation and which one is so far away from what you've expected? I will say this, uh -huh. the one place that was beyond my expectation was the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Yeah. I've traveled a lot already before I'd seen it, mm -hmm. a lot of countries, but it was much bigger than I thought <laughs> it would be. I mean, it's huge, I, especially if you go up to the top, you know, you can take this elevator to the top, and it was an amazing experience mm -hmm. for me. That was probably one place that was way beyond. Mm -hmm. uh, my expectations. The thing that I enjoy most, and when I travel, I don't try. I try not to stay in hotels. Mm. I try to couch surf. Uh, I don't know if you know yeah. that term. Yep. 
or Airbnb mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. because I really want to get to know people who live in that area. Mm -hmm. You know, the big hotels and stuff, you're just isolated. Yeah. You're with a bunch of other foreigners often. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just not that interesting. Mm -hmm. I try to ride public transportation, mm -hmm. walk the streets. Mm -hmm. That's how I travel. So what have traveling taught you? I think the most important lesson that you learn from traveling mm -hmm. is that everywhere people are the same. Oh. They have the same problems. Mm -hmm. They usually have the same hopes mm -hmm. and dreams mm -hmm. and wishes. Of course, the context they're in shapes that to some extent, mm -hmm. but usually people are very much alike. So do you believe in something like a language barrier between people or would be better to just know the language, learn the language really well to get to know somebody? I think I have traveled in so many places where I didn't know the language mm -hmm. and I have even taught oh. in places where I didn't know the language but had an interpreter. Mm -hmm. And uh, surprisingly, I could kind of tell what people were saying or asking. And certainly when you travel, you can always communicate somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had many, many occasions where I'm sure the person didn't know English and I didn't know their language, but we communicated well enough to get done whatever we needed to do or get wherever we needed to get or even answer their questions to some extent. So there is certainly a language barrier, but I wouldn't make that a reason for not traveling. Mm -hmm. If I didn't know a language, I would still travel anyway. Oh. But it's always great to know the language. Right. And yeah. the better you know the language, the more in depth or the better you can really get yep. to know the people. Yeah, I have a friend that is learning um, Italian and Spanish at the same time. Mm -hmm. And she's always been, you know, going back and forth between you know, mm -hmm. her country and yeah. Italy. And yeah, it's just, it seems nice to just know the language and also go there to practice and right. learn more about the culture. Yeah, it's really great to be in the country where you actually are learning the language. Mm -hmm. I, I think you do need to learn languages. Mm -hmm. I think it expands your mind oh. and also opens up other ways of thinking about things. Like English, you think a certain way. Mm -hmm. German, you think a different right. way. Yeah. So there are different ways of thinking that come with different languages. And when you know different languages, it expands your ability to understand and mm -hmm. think differently. And to think more broadly, actually. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a question. It could just be your personal thoughts on the difference between people in the West and in the East. That's a question, a good question, and it reflects, again, back on what I said before. In a way, culture goes deep, mm -hmm. but it's also on the surface. Mm -hmm. There are core things that it seems like almost every culture speaks to. People do want to be happy, mm -hmm. do want to have their basic needs met. Mm -hmm. People want to be loved. They need to have a sense of worth and of doing something that's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the basic things mm -hmm. that are at the core of almost everyone. I just don't honestly don't see that much difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've studied cultures and I know that spatial difference like in some countries you can be closer <laughs> to people than others um, yeah. america was americans want distance mm -hmm. uh, if you get right real close to them they feel very uncomfortable oh. i've been in countries where at the time de a few decades ago for a guy to hold my hand walking down the street was very common <sighs> oh really and made me feel very uncomfortable <laughs> but in their culture it was very common oh. it was a sign of friendship like real mm -hmm. friendship I've been in cultures where men kiss each other on the lips. Mm. It was not considered that the person was gay or, mm. you know, it's just with their culture. Made me feel terribly uncomfortable, but I got used to it, you know, <laughs> I just adapted. So there are all these 
surface cultural things, but the real core things are really the same, I think. I would like to see our world understand that and people live in peace, you know. I think the opportunities that everybody would have would be much greater if we did. So one thing that my viewers, because I did a very brief house tour right. when I <laughs> went down to get some food. So yeah. I did um, I did a brief house tour and a lot of viewers have been asking about your bookshelf. Okay. Yeah, so they were very interested. Like, uh, Yeah, I love books uh -huh. and I love to read. Mm -hmm. I don't always remember the authors or even the titles, but I constantly read mm -hmm. and I always have a book with me. Mm -hmm or I have my Kindle, mm -hmm. you know, with me, yep. something like that yeah. with me, so that if I get stuck in a traffic jam or a doctor's office or the <laughs> line in a grocery store, I'll either be talking to somebody mm -hmm. that I just met mm -hmm. or reading, mm -hmm. because I also enjoy talking to people just out of the blue, and I, I find people so interesting, but books are interesting too. Mm -hmm. Books. Yeah, so I've given away most of my books oh. at this time, but the books that you saw on the bookshelf uh -huh are some of my favorites mm -hmm. and that one set of books called uh -huh. The Great Books. Yeah. Uh, that was really developed uh, by a couple of people at the University of Chicago mm -hmm. and they thought that if a person studied in the original languages some of the great ideas mm -hmm. uh, that have developed over centuries uh, that would be a, a solid liberal arts education. Mm -hmm. And you could actually do a degree at the University of Chicago for a while in The Great Books and you would have to read the Greek authors in Greek and the Latin authors in Latin and, of course, French or whatever the language was, Chinese. Oh, yeah. So they always wanted you to read the books in the original language. Just, of course, forced you to learn language as yeah. well as, <laughs> as be able to read. Uh -huh. There's a guide to those books. And if a person ever got all the way through, which I have it, you'd uh -huh. have a serious education. He would. I mean, I did took I did take a glimpse of the content, and it was in English. And I've been studying English for twenty years, and mm -hmm. I still I mean, I felt like I just I barely scraped the surface <laughs> of whatever is yeah. Yeah, is in the book. Yeah, you may have been reading some earlier English. Uh huh. Yeah, I think language. so. Language. Yeah. So it was yeah. hard. <laughs> so is uh, there a, a favorite genre that you like? Genre. Yeah. I really like fiction or imagine what we call imaginative literature, okay. fiction. Uh -huh. I think in fiction you can really tell the yeah. truth. People often th maybe think of fiction as fiction, mm -hmm. not really true. But in fact, the only way to get to know really yourself deeply or another person is through fiction, is through imaginative literature. I think it uh, opens the door to how we feel, to how we think, to how we see the world, and describes it in ways that sometimes we don't have the words for ourselves. but when a really good author describes or presents the story, it, it opens up a whole world for us that we haven't entered before. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I really like fiction, is because it tells the truth. Uh, I think I could somehow relate to that because I always think that I should really go back to take some courses on uh, creative writing or you know right. because I feel like after working with coding for a while I feel like my soul has become pretty barren and I should really work to enrich yeah, yeah, yeah. that. My eldest daughter for a summer she worked in in Germany mm -hmm. at a publishing company oh. and her job was to find the next book that they should translate from English into German. And so all day long she was reading all these books and she said, in the evening I would have to go back and read the classics because I was just reading basically junk. And, and, but when I got back to the classics, it kind of 
cleaned my oh. mind out and refreshed me and helped me get another sense of the language and what was really important. And I think really good fiction by really good writers does that for you. You know, it, it opens your world up. Yep. So I have one friend that is a book maniac. So he, he has been collecting books for, I guess, over 10 years now. He's my age. Uh -huh. um, and he's been collecting books. So right now, I think in his house, he has over 10,000 books. Oh my goodness, whoa. <laughs> I know. And I asked him how many books out of those 10,000 has he read. And he was like, oh, maybe 20, 30%. But he couldn't help it. He was like, <coughs> when I showed him the uh, right. your bookshelf, he was like, I need to get the great books, that right. collection. But um, yeah, he was really fond of your Great books. Yeah, the great right. You might find it online now, just in like Kindle or something. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know how you find it. I now. think we tried once, and um, the whole set cost around a thousand dollars. And but then yeah. with shipping to Vietnam, I don't know how yeah. that works. Is it in the electronic version yet? Probably not. Yeah, but he he's been collecting real public, real books. physical books. Right. <laughs> okay. So um, my viewers are also interested to know a bit about your previous jobs. My undergraduate degree is chemical engineering. Oh. And I worked as a chemical engineer for a couple of years, two or mm -hmm. three years, and um, decided I wanted to do something different. Uh -huh. uh, so then I really got into education. Mm -hmm. That's when I was living in Europe and uh, the other countries. I was helping to start like a bachelor's level education mm -hmm. in uh, difficult access countries at the time. Mm -hmm. That's really what I did, was kind of help start uh, education by extension. And now of course it's all online, but back then there was no online. Oh. <laughs> so it was by extension where the teacher or the professor travels to you oh. and you meet with a small group. And so that's what I was doing all over Eastern Europe and really Africa and Oh. Some parts of Asia as so well. So did you go to the remote areas to teach? Or exactly. Right. Very interesting. And you did that for how many years? I did that for about 20 years. Oh. Here we have what are called charter schools. They're like public schools. Mm -hmm. They're publicly financed. The parents have a little more say as to oh, I see. what's uh -huh. in the education and how difficult it is. And so there's a very good charter school here mm -hmm. uh, that was well-rated, well-ranked in the United States, and I was headmaster of that for a while and had about six principals who were heads of schools under me, and we were trying to shape it into, um, you know, a great educational opportunities. I don't know what's the difference between a headmaster and a principal. Okay, well, they really called me the president. Okay. So, in a chart, I was like the, the guy that headed all, everything. Uh -huh. And then I had six principals under me, and each one of them was responsible for a school. Oh, I see. There were three grade schools, mm. and then there was one middle school and one high school, so five grade schools, mm. so four grade schools. So the grade schools fed to the middle school, to the high school. So you began in kindergarten, and in this educational system, you went all the way through high school mm -hmm. before you went to college. Wow. So that's kind of so did all of the kids stay throughout uh, through yeah. some did some didn't it didn't fit everybody oh, okay uh, and it was really difficult to get in the waiting list was like six thousand hmm. people so to get in kindergarten the waiting list is like six thousand people so you have to get your name on the list when you're first born 
really? to get wow. into the school. Yeah. That's the way it so was. You had to start from kindergarten, right? You can't just jump into the middle school. No, they don't no. really let you do that. Oh. Occasionally, but not very often. And it's called the Classical Academy, so you studied classics, really. Even in kindergarten, you'd do like artist reviews, so they'd have a print of a very famous mm -hmm. piece of art. And you'd have a discussion about it as right. a kindergarten. Oh, wow. So you're exposed to good art and literature from the beginning. That was the idea. I would never think of that. All of the kids I know do in kindergarten in Vietnam is just drawing stuff and mm -hmm. maybe learn some ABCs. Yeah. The interesting thing was, though, to help kids find their voice. Mm. Unless a kid can talk about what they're learning, mm -hmm. unless they have the opportunity yeah. to talk about what they're learning, you don't know really what they understand and mm -hmm. what they do not understand. Right. I mean, you can give tests and that you can give written tests, mm -hmm. but you really need that conversation, I think, so. I mean, sometimes at work, I mean, I use that excuse a lot and I do know it's an excuse to say that I'm an introvert. That's why I don't explain things well or talk well, but I do know that it's just an excuse. I mean, <laughs> it has nothing to do with introversion. It's just a lack of communication skill. But yeah, so I do want to work on that. And I think that's a major problem in, you know, in our mm -hmm. country or in Asian culture, not speaking yeah, speaking out enough. Yeah, for me, uh, along that yeah. line is, that I wanted the teachers in my classroom mm -hmm be more interested in the voice of their student mm -hmm. than, than their own voice. Right. And sometimes a teacher loves to perform. <laughs> they enjoy being in front of the class mm -hmm. and they're good at it, you know. Mm -hmm. But I wanted the heart of the teacher to want to hear the voice of the student mm -hmm. more than their own voice. And that's not always easy. Teachers like to be on the center of the stage. <laughs> okay, so there's a question about stress, how to overcome stress. How do I overcome stress? Yeah. Maybe in your younger days. I'll tell you, when I was in college okay. and younger, yeah. I think I lived stressed out. Oh, okay. Because I was really busy. Uh -huh. I was taking chemical engineering, which was considered one of the most difficult mm -hmm. colleges. I was playing basketball mm -hmm. at the Division One level. I was also leading the second largest student Christian movement in the country. And so I really had zero time. And I think it took me two years after college just to begin to relax. I think the most important lesson that I learned about stress was, first of all, you can't get it all done. Why stress over it? Just get what you can't. Make sure you're doing the most important things every day and then don't worry about the rest because your days get so filled up with too many things to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you keep priority list of these are the things that need oh. to be done today. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you do the top ones. If the bottom one rises to be important the next day, it does. But if it doesn't, you don't do it. The next day, you do your list, you do the top ones. Mm -hmm. And you make sure you leave time to think. Uh, I think a person needs to spend 15 minutes a day planning their day. Mm -hmm. I think they need to spend an hour a week on the weekend, perhaps, or something, planning their week. I think they should try to spend a half a day a month thinking about the next month and where they've come from. And once a year, spend three days thinking about where did I come from this last year and where would I like to go next year. Mm -hmm. And it takes that constant attention to priority to get where you want to go. Otherwise, you don't. Mm -hmm. Have you always been doing that? Not always, but I, and I don't always do it so regularly now. <laughs> but I try to do it, you know, 
on a regular basis. Nobody's perfect to do <laughs> all these things, you know. You get all these great ideas, but nobody's perfect. And you just, but when did you really start doing that habitually? I think I started doing that uh, when I was out of, just out of college. I Began to look at that as, as a way to keep myself planned to make sure I was doing the right things. Mm -hmm. Because life calls on you to do so many things that you really have to know what the right things are. Have you always been such an overachiever <laughs> since you were young? Until because you, it sounded like you've yeah. always been doing a lot of things. You know, multitasking. Multitasking doesn't work real well, but uh -huh. it wasn't by choice. But I often found myself leading the organizations I happened to be involved in, and often I was asked to do that. So you know, and and I do believe that if you're going to do something, just throw yourself into it and I also believe this if something's worth doing it's worth not doing well now there's a catch in that idea because if it's really worth doing mm -hmm. it's worth doing no matter what I see and so some things that are really worth doing you may not be great at it but they really are worth doing anyway mm -hmm. and there are some things that you'll be naturally great at because that's who you are and that's your natural tendency. But when I was leading organizations, I found myself having to do administrative work, which I didn't like, mm -hmm. but it needed to be done. And so I did it as well as I could mm -hmm. because it had to be done and it was worth doing. Mm -hmm. But So sometimes things are worth doing and not doing well. And these are not from a book, right? These quotes are not from a no, book, no. right? Because I feel like these could be in a... You know, they could These are not make, from a book. <laughs> they could make some motivational quotes out of this clip right now. Yeah. I think that kind of addresses because um, there's a question about how to maintain motivation. I think that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. And I've actually done some reading and thinking about this. And um, if your viewers mm -hmm. are pretty good at English, I would recommend an online course that comes from Yale University. Mm -hmm. There's a course on happiness. It's called the Happiness Lab. The person who did it uh, thought she'd have 30 students. 1,600 showed up. It's been the most attended or sought after class in the history of Yale University. She looks at the real research regarding happiness and what makes a person happy. And she basically says our mind lies to us about what makes us happy. Our <laughs> mind doesn't really tell us <laughs> the truth. One of the things she talks about in this lab, and I think it's correct, is how to really persevere. And one of the things she says is not only do you have the goal that you want, your wish, and you have to visualize the outcome, but the other thing you have to do is to visualize all the obstacles along the way, what the potential obstacles for, and then plan how you will overcome those obstacles. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't visualize the obstacles as well as the outcome, when you hit the obstacle, you might have the tendency to give up and not go on with the grind. Right. And so her point is that not only do you have to see where you're going, you have to see the obstacles and plan how you're going to get through them. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, when you hit the obstacles, they don't surprise you, they don't knock you off mm -hmm. because you've already visualized that obstacle and what it might what might happen. What if I don't have enough experience to visualize enough obstacles <laughs> in advance. You can, uh, believe okay. me. Okay. You just do it at the level you can, Okay. but you do it as, as in much detail as you can too. You okay. really want to visualize in detail. Okay. You want to see not only goal in detail, but visualize the obstacles in pretty serious detail. Like, you know, if you want to write. Uh -huh. So you think, oh, I like to write something. And so you have to think about 
what the outcome would be. Right. But you often have to think about the obstacles. Oh, I've got to work as you know a, a day job. Uh-huh. I've got a, a chat room to, a room to keep up. <laughs> right. I have all these things to do. Yeah. So you visualize those obstacles, uh-huh. and then what's my plan for overcoming uh-huh. them? When will I write? Will I write during my lunch period? Mm-hmm. Because I'm an introvert and don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Will I write 15 minutes in the morning or an hour? In the, you know, So you visualize all the obstacles and then really plan, 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 plan how you're going to overcome them when you hit them. I see. And it helps you get there. I might have to adopt the half-empty glass <laughs> attitude you know, in order to really visualize those obstacles. <laughs> Us, you know, the youngsters being dramatic, but sometimes we do feel like we're at rock bottom. It's like the end of the world, and we don't know how to get ourselves out of that. Do you have any advice for it? I've been there. I, I've been. I felt that you know was at rock bottom. First of all, have a good cry. You know, you just gotta let your emotions out. Mm-hmm. Embrace your emotions. Don't try to push them off or think they're not real. Just allow yourself to really feel the rock bottomness of your situation. <laughs> I don't think that's a word, but just, and every time you get there, just let yourself really feel it mm-hmm. and then begin to take steps towards how do I get out of the situation that I'm mm-hmm. in. The other thing when you're young, you don't realize it, but time does heal uh. and time gives perspective. Mm-hmm. Time helps and so you may feel terrible today and you think this is the end of the world in a week from now probably won't feel quite so end of the world a month from now right a year from now but just take steps to do something different people want miracles (laughs) dramatic steps Uh sometimes that happens most of the time it's the little steps that get you going Mm -hmm. there were times that i just couldn't get out of bed at all and I just, you know, whatever, I just mm-hmm. lay in bed. That's it. That's all I did for maybe a week or two mm-hmm. or maybe a month at most. And then mm-hmm. I got bored of that and found something else to do. So it yeah. wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. And it's always good to have a support group around you as it well. It is, yeah. yeah. Somebody come and say, get out of bed, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What is your perspective on regrets? You know, emotionally, everybody is different. Mm-hmm. Some people become over, overwhelmed by mm-hmm. regret. Right. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Probably the most important thing to do with regret, and everybody has it, mm-hmm. if you live life, you're gonna have <laughs> regret, right. is to ask yourself why you have that regret. Mm-hmm. What can I personally learn from that situation to help me become a better person? Are there people I need to ask forgiveness from? Mm-hmm that are associated with that sense of regret. Do I have the courage to ask for forgiveness? Take those steps to move away from it because you can't live with regret or in regret your whole life. When those memories come back up, just go through that process again of what you learned. Did you ask forgiveness? Yes. Is there any more thing more you can do to heal that situation? No. And then you just move on. You can't live there though. The question asks, what is your wish at the moment? I have two wishes, a couple of wishes. Uh One is there's something I really want to write and I've been mulling it over in my mind Uh and it's getting to the point where it has to come out. I'm going through the process right now of thinking through the obstacles to getting this written and planning to how to overcome them Mm -hmm. in that process. And the other thing I do as a hobby right now is day trade. I'm really enjoying it. So I have some wishes or interests in that area. And I'm not sure how that will play out, but Uh yeah. The market hasn't been doing well these days. 
right? Yeah, but for me it doesn't matter. Okay. The market can go up or down because you if you day trade you don't care. The thing about it is you do want volatility because then you attempt to take a little bit out of the market each day. It is probably the most difficult thing I've ever done, even harder than the chemical engineering degree, because unless you know yourself deeply and understand fear and greed and how that affects you, you can't do it very well unless you know how to embrace these emotions without letting them control you. It's You can't day trade. So for me, the reason I started day trading is because I wanted to go on this personal journey of learning more about myself and who I am at the deepest levels. And it's been a great journey. You can lose your shirt doing it, so don't do it. <laughs> There's a question about how did you and I get to know each other? I got this email. I was advertising a room for uh -huh. for rent. Yeah. And Hana emailed me and asked uh, if she, she gave me this rather long, lengthy paragraph <laughs> describing herself, what right. she was doing, etc., etc. I don't think she knew it at the time, but it was quite common uh -huh. for me when I was advertising for a room to get a long email from somebody from another country who said they needed a room and and then I would start a conversation with them through email and eventually they would ask me for my bank bank accounts uh -huh. and I knew they were scamming me uh -huh. <laughs> and so I thought ah Hannah's another scammer but I always responded politely to all these Ooh. things and you know just because I didn't know you uh -huh. know and something she said or way she phrased it or something, I realized she wasn't. So oh. that was how it began. Oh, to be honest, your room, the room that you advertise on Craigslist was too nice. It was <laughs> too good to be true and the rent is also very low as yeah. well. Yeah, so it's just like, yeah. I was also in doubt if this is a real post or not. Oh, really? <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Because the reason I rent rooms uh -huh. is because Number one, I don't like living in a big house by myself because it's empty. Right. And number two, I realize that there are people like you mm -hmm. who actually need a room. Mm -hmm. Why not share your blessings in mm -hmm. a way? You yeah. know? It makes life much more interesting than closing yourself off. What was your first impression of me and how it has changed <laughs> up until now? Because I'm about to leave, so you could just That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I really enjoyed meeting you. Oh, thank you. I think I picked you up with your suitcase initially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a lot of fun. It was just fun watching your journey here, mm. uh, both at FedEx and your next step. Mm -hmm. My impression has not changed. I thought you were a lovely person the oh, first time you. I met you. <laughs> and I even think that more now. Oh, thanks. And I really do wish you the best. Oh, thank you. I think you're going to have a great future, <laughs> an enjoyable life. And we need to keep in touch. Uh, we do. We need to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whenever you yeah. go to San Francisco or if I have the chance to go back. Here. Sure. Yeah. yeah. There's always a place to stay. I hope you weren't too bored. <laughs> <laughs> it's very fun. I always enjoy talking to you. I always yeah. feel like I learned a lot from our conversations, especially in the beginning of, um, of my YouTube um, journey. Right. I got a lot of haters. I mean, I still have a lot of haters now, oh. but uh, yeah, you gave me a lot of advice on that. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, you too. Blessings. <laughs> Okay. Bye. Bye bye. <cười> Và ghi vào quay của ngày hôm nay đó chính là một quyển sách mà mình cảm thấy rất là phù hợp với lại cuộc nói chuyện của ông chủ nhà đó chính là tìm bình yên giữa vạn biến. Rồi, mình cảm thấy quyển sách này là một quyển sách self help khá là bổ ích tại vì nó 
vạch ra một con đường đi khá là rõ ràng cho những bạn còn đang mông lung về những điều giống như là sự nghiệp tài chính sức khỏe vân vân làm sao để balance cuộc sống những điều trong đây thật ra không phải là quá mới nhưng mà nó được sắp xếp một cách rất là gọn gàng và dễ hiểu và dễ làm theo cho những bạn mà vẫn còn đang mơ màng những bạn trẻ đó mà những bạn mà đã gửi câu hỏi về trong chủ nhà của mình đó thì mình thấy là cái tim của những câu hỏi mà các bạn đã gửi về khá là phù hợp với quyển sách này thì nếu mà các bạn đọc quyển sách này cũng sẽ được khai sáng rất là nhiều điều quyển sách này giới thiệu một khái niệm khá là mới mà cũng không mới trong một cái tên mới đó chính là cái tên ula ula ở đây được giải thích đó là một danh từ hoặc là một tính từ có bắt nguồn từ các diễn đạt ulala có nghĩa là một cái gì đó rất là kiểu sôi nổi vui vẻ đúng không nghĩa là phải vui thì mới ulala được thì nó nói về một trạng thái tuyệt vời và một cuộc sống cân bằng và phát triển ở các mặt then chốt giống như là sức khỏe tài chính sự nghiệp các mối quan hệ và hạnh phúc về tinh thần cũng như thể chất và nó cũng có nghĩa là một đích đến giống như là tìm đến ulala nghĩa là tìm đến cái trạng thái đó rồi mô tả những cái hành động hiểu biết và mục tiêu dẫn đến cuộc sống cân bằng và cuối cùng thì nó có thể là một kế hoạch nền tảng để đạt một cái mục mà mình thích đó chính là một sự nghiệp ula là làm sao đó mà có được một cái sự nghiệp kiểu như là đáng mong đợi như và câu bắt đầu trong cái chương này đó là nếu không yêu hãy từ bỏ Lời khuyên về công việc tốt nhất mà tôi nhận được là hãy tập trung và tiếp tục tiến về phía trước Nghe có vẻ rất bình thường nhưng mà lại rất make sense Trong phần này thì tác giả chia ra là sự nghiệp ula có hai phần Một công việc chính để kiếm sống và một công việc mơ ước Một câu mà mình khá là tâm đắc đó chính là câu Chúng tôi từng biết nhiều người đã bỏ công việc kiếm sống trong một phút chán trường để theo đuổi công việc mơ ước Mà lại chẳng có kế hoạch nào để nối liền khoảng cách giữa hai công việc Đó là một quyết định không ổn lắm Mình cảm thấy rất là tâm đắc với câu này tại vì lý do là Mặc dù mình là người rất là sốc nổi nhưng mà mình nghĩ là trước khi mà mình bỏ ngang việc thì mình lúc nào cũng có backup plan để mà mình tiến về cái công việc mà mình yêu thích hơn một chút hay là công việc mình cảm thấy đỡ chán hơn một chút chứ mình không có tự nhiên nghĩ ngang đâu Tại vì người ta hay nói là nếu mà bạn đang có việc thì bạn sẽ dễ tìm việc mới hơn là bạn đang không có gì Những nhà tuyển dụng người ta nhìn vào người ta sẽ nghĩ là bạn không có gì hết trơn, không có gì để mà leverage, không có gì để mà đàm phán, không có gì kiểu như là không có ai cần bạn hết thì tại sao người ta phải cần bạn trong cuối chương này tác giả cũng có nói là theo đuổi công việc mơ ước với kế hoạch cụ thể là rất u la nhưng nếu đó không phải là con đường của bạn hãy làm công việc kiếm sống với niềm tự hào giống như anh thợ cách đá thứ ba vậy thì tự đọc cái phần phía trên đi nhé và câu cuối cùng là hãy làm việc để phục vụ người khác và bạn sẽ được phục vụ thấy cũng khá hợp lý tại vì tất cả những sản phẩm mà mình làm ra hay mình đóng góp công sức vào thì cũng là nhằm phục vụ một đối tượng khách hàng nào đó thôi đúng không thì nếu mà mình làm cho người ta vui thì mình sẽ được vui lại không những là về những cái phần giống như là sự nghiệp rồi sức khỏe cuộc sống vân vân ula cũng có khuyên bạn về những cái cảm xúc mà con người hay gặp giống như là buông bỏ cảm giác tội lỗi về cái phần buông bỏ cảm giác tội lỗi này thì mình cảm thấy rất là tâm đắc cái câu là quá khứ chỉ còn nằm trong kính chiếu hậu tương lai chính là tờ giấy trắng hãy học hỏi từ quá khứ nhưng đừng tiếp tục sống trong đó thượng đế đã tha thứ cho anh trước cả khi anh thất bại giờ đây tất cả những gì anh cần làm là xin sự tha thứ từ những người đã bị anh làm cho thất vọng và quan trọng nhất là hãy thứ tha cho bản thân mình thấy cái này rất là hay tại vì giống như ông chủ nhà mà hồi nãy nói rồi đó là không ai có thể sống với lại regret hết không ai có thể sống bằng cái sự ân hận hối hận hết nó sẽ ăn mòn chính bản thân mình và mình sẽ chết dần vì cái chuyện đó thôi bởi vậy nên là mình cần phải hối hận để mà trở nên một con người tối hơn để mà xin sự tha thứ từ người khác nhưng mà không vì đó mà không sống cuộc đời của mình nói chung là mình cảm thấy cuốn sách này là một cuốn sách khá là hay ho và nó gồm rất là nhiều điều có thể là nhiều người khác đã từng khuyên các bạn rồi nhưng mà các bạn chưa thấm lắm thì hãy đọc cuốn sách này để mà thấm thêm một lần nữa câu hỏi bí mật của ngày hôm nay cho các bạn muốn tham gia ghi vào quay cuốn sách này đó chính là câu hỏi bạn tìm bình yên giữa vạn biến như thế nào đấy nhá và nếu các bạn không để ý thấy thì mình đang ở nhà mới <cười> ở cali rồi chỗ này là chỗ ở tạm thời thôi nhưng mà hôm nào mình sẽ cho các bạn một vòng house tour vậy nhá bay mình phải đi quân mạc mua đồ đây <cười>